Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Can we all see kindness? Can we all see connection? Can we all see compassion? Can we all see working together? Can we see all of these things really clearly and help our brains see this as a no-brainer? That all of these feel better, and this is the only way that we're going to save our planet. I don't want to sound too hyperbolic, but it's only by working together. Like, look what happens when we work together. We can mobilize like crazy. Look what happens when we fight over whether climate change is real or not, or whether racism is real or not. You know, being kind to each other is the only thing that makes sense. Hello, and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast. My name is Poppy Jamie, a recovering perfectionist and the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. Like the app, this show is about hitting pause and taking time to look after our mind and soul. In this series, I explore how we can make life better in 2020. How can we reduce stress, enjoy life, bounce back from setbacks and get in flow? My guests will be sharing their expert advice and I hope you join me on the journey. Our theme music is courtesy of Mindstream. Visit Mindstream.com to learn more about how their music and environments help you sleep, relax, focus and move. Or find their music on any streaming platform. Let's crack on with the show. Today on this show, I have a very special guest. I'm delighted to introduce Dr. Judd Brewer. He is a very unique neuroscientist because he bridges the gap between old age wisdom and science. He studies the data to show that ancient philosophy isn't just theory, but has real value. And he spent the past 20 years developing the science behind self-mastery. Dr. Judd is also the Director of Research and Innovation at the Mindfulness Center, as well as a professor at the School of Medicine at Brown University. His TED Talk, which is a must watch, has had over 9 million views, and it's about habit formation. His books are sold globally, and apps help thousands stop smoking, emotionally eating, and reducing anxiety. Today, we are going to focus on how we can use this momentous change we're all going through and turn the situation into something that can positively affect us. With all my interviews, I begin with three questions. What's your favorite quote at the moment? Mm, I've been reading this wonderful book by Charlie McKeezy. My wife and I have been reading this together called The Boy, the Mole, the, the Fox and the Horse. And there was one quote that I just, uh, one page that I uh, just read. Oh, there are so many great quotes from that book. Um, but basically, there's this quote about, I wonder if there's a school of unlearning. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And so that's the quote that I'm thinking of today. Uh, now that you mention it, because this is really about how can we hit this reset button so that we unlearn all of these old habits of being divisive, sexist, uh, racist, all these things that that have really not helped our world in the last couple of or many years. And this could be an opportunity for all of us to come together. So is there a school of unlearning and can we can we go to that? Can we all go to that school? And is that school right in our heads? Uh, what's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently? That this world is really small, and if we don't work together, uh, it will be much harder to get through this. How do you define happiness? Mm, connection, joy. And we'll come on to talk about that in more detail. A lot of what you've said recently is um, how social contagion is more dangerous than infection. Mm. Can you tell me a bit more about why you think that? Well, if you go on social, so you can you can prevent the spread of a, a viral infection by doing all the things that everybody's hearing about. You know, make sure you physically distance, wash your hands, don't touch your face, stuff like that. <laughs> well, well, you can catch it. Somebody can sneeze on your brain from anywhere in the world. <laughs> and that's basically what social contagion is. We're now a world that's more connected, at least through social media than ever. So you can go on social media any time of the day and walk through a contagion filled <laughs> mental viral vector, if you want to think of it that way. And the more we go on social media, the more we are, are likely to run into somebody that's kind of sneezing on our brain. Now they can sneeze on our brain in two ways. One is they can sneeze fear and panic, but they can also sneeze hope and uh, connection and kindness. So it's not all, you know, it's also important where we're finding our news, why we're going on social media and things like that, because social contagion can be spread not only on a fear side, but also on a hope and joy side as well. And I want to emphasize that because that's something that's not often talked about, at least right now. <laughs> Right. So how do you then protect yourself from social contagion without digging a hole and not coming out? So as a doctor, you know, we, we have two ways of many ways of protecting ourselves and, and not spreading infection. One is personal protective equipment. Right. And so we're talking about face masks, gloves, uh, gowns, things like that. So you can think of that. And then for the consumer, it's, you know, Purell and hand washing. So the Purell for the brain is the first category. And then if we've caught the, snow, the social bug, you know, what can we do when we start to feel like we're, we're getting our, our temperature is going up or starting to get a fever? So the hand sanitizer for the brain is anything that helps us keep our anxiety levels at low at a baseline, right? Because we're all going to get bumped. But, you know, something's going to stress us out, something, you know, we see some headline and it, that's just normal. That's our fear response saying, hey, is this dangerous? Right. And we're going to go, oh, I need to pay attention. That's normal. Right. 
But if we're right at that red line and it bumps us over the red line into panic, that's a problem because <laughs> then our thinking brain goes offline. We can't think. So our job is to lower that baseline as much as possible every day. Very, very simple things that we can do. First, don't go on news first thing in the morning. This is like, um, so my patients who are trying to quit smoking, their nicotine levels have to get re, uh, kind of rejuvenated or kind of built up every two hours because nicotine has a half-life of about two hours. So when they sleep overnight, they, it drops and drops and drops if they sleep six or eight hours. So think of this as anybody that's a news junkie where they've been jacked up on news all day. And at night, that drops and drops and drops. And so they're like, oh, I got to have my news fixed this morning. You know what? It's probably not the best thing to do. So don't go on the news in the morning. For folks that uh, are into this, I would also say find something that can be self-care. So um, prayer, meditation, yoga, exercise, uh, anything that helps us really kind of build and re kind of recharge our mental batteries keeps that baseline low as well. So whatever it is that people are into that really helps them do this rather than, you know, calm down rather than get freaked out, do that, <laughs> you know, get those batteries at a hundred percent in the morning before you start your day. It's like charging your phone. You don't want to have your phone at 20% and then have to rely on it being at 20%, you know, to take all your calls during the day. You got you get your phone at hundred percent, get your brain at hundred percent and keep that baseline level low. So that's the mental hand sanitizer that we can all, all do. We can do that for 10 minutes. We can do it for an hour. We can do it for just, you know, five quick breaths. The other thing we can do to keep that hand sanitizer for the brain going during the day is to do short, I think of this as short moments many times. So that's how you start a new habit. So we can practice short moments of mindfulness. So in our mindfulness apps, we have um, these short moments that, that people can do 30 seconds where these different mindfulness practices they can do. Um, and the idea is the more you practice that throughout the day, the more you're practicing mental hand washing, right? The more you're keeping your, your mind clean and, you know, and at this baseline level. So throughout the day, check in with yourself, see if that, if that anxiety level is starting to rise, take a moment to take some deep breaths, ground yourself in your feet, uh, do a, you know, practice of kindness, find somebody to hug, you know, whatever it is that helps, helps keep that, that the, our batteries charged all day. What is the relationship then between anxiety and negative habits? Because I know for a fact that this kind of, this time of great change and a, and a lot of fear going around is triggering OCD, uh, eating disorders. Mm -hmm. um, and I know for a fact, like I'm an emotional eater. I have like troweled through like five tubs of peanut butter in the past <laughs> week being like oh no this is happening um um what so yeah I mean I think that would be really interesting for people to kind of hear why is it that when we're in these times are you know things that maybe we felt that we got you know a handle on kind of like rear their ugly monster heads it's interesting because our our natural stress response is literally what's called anorexia. Now that's different than the medical disorder of anorexia nervosa, but anorexia basically just means we lose our appetite. And that's what happens when we're under threat. So our bodies shunt blood from our stomach to our muscles, generally in our legs and our arms, so we can run away. <laughs> so, so it's really helpful just to know how our minds work. 
So three key ingredients, a trigger, a behavior, and a reward. And from a survival standpoint, uh, we see the food, that's the trigger. We eat the food, that's the behavior. And the reward is, from a brain perspective, is that our stomach sends this dopamine signal to our brain and says, remember what you ate and where you found it. So it's actually a survival mechanism. Same for uh, avoiding danger. You see the saber-toothed tiger, you run away, and then you, your, your reward is you live. <laughs> and you get to, mm -hmm. you get to repeat, you know, avoid that part of the savannah. So in terms of setting up stress habits, let's use eating as an example, because the, the five tubs of peanut butter. Let's say, <laughs> so what's your trigger? Is it looking at the news? Is it going on social media? What is it? Very much what you speak about, social contagion. It's the straw that broke the camel's back. Okay. You know, it's all day. And then suddenly you're, it's, and then you're in cortex television thinking about the future and you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And we can yeah. have a global meltdown, great, you know, great. and then you're like, ah, where's the peanut butter? <laughs> so there's a great example of triggers. And I'm sure everybody can relate to that. Your behavior is dive into the tub of peanut butter, you know, <laughs> face first. <laughs> So from a behavioral standpoint, I think of this as a result. And that's how I teach that in my programs. From a brain standpoint, your brain's asking how rewarding is this? So let's talk about both of those. A lot of my patients talk about binge eating as a way to numb themselves from their, their emotions. So a sad emotion or a, a freaked out or anxious or worried emotion could trigger binge eating for them. And then they, uh, one of my patients literally said, I use this to numb myself, right? So we numb, we distract, uh, eating foods that uh, have sugar and fat content in them in a certain ratio will cause dopamine release so that it can actually, you know, give us this kind of jolt of energy. So there are a bunch of rewards from a brain perspective because that feels better than, <laughs> than being inundated by news or whatever. So there's that res result or that reward. But the problem is that every time we do that, it feeds, it starts to feed developing the development of habit loops around these behaviors. So instead of eating when we're actually hungry, we eat when we're stressed or we're anxious, you know, instead of, um, you know, we, we now have pills that we can take to emotionally numb ourselves when we have, you know, physical or mental pain. We, we have social media to go and distract ourselves by looking at cute pictures of puppies or, and kittens and whatever, right? So th all of these actually perpetuate these habit loops that are, that are set up just to help us survive. Yet in modern day, when we're not hungry, and when we, you know, distractions just perpetuating itself, they, they actually can lead to bad habits, such as, you know, we become obese or, you know, we become addicted to the news, things like that. What's the relationship between trying to insert control over an environment because you feel mm -hmm. so out of control and habits? We set up habits as a way to help us survive. You know, if we had, if we woke up every morning and we had to relearn everything from getting out of bed, walking, putting on our clothes, uh, making food, you know, making coffee, we'd be exhausted by breakfast. So it, I think of it as habit is set and forget. So set the behavior and forget about the details. So it, it's a really helpful <laughs> mechanism for survival, you know? So that's what habits are for. Control <laughs> is something that our brains love to have because it helps them predict the future. It's like, if I can control the situation, I can predict what's going to happen. And in fact, it's interesting that you mentioned control. We develop habit loops around worry 
related to control. There's a guy, uh, Borkovec, uh, a researcher at Penn State University, who used to talk about or who wrote a ton about how worry habit loops get set up through negative reinforcement in the same way that these, you know, run away from the saber tooth tiger habit loops get set up. And the idea is if we have a strong negative emotion like fear or anxiety, that triggers worry. And that worry thinking makes us feel like we're in control. <laughs> Which is really interesting because worrying doesn't actually control anything. Why does it make us feel like we're in control? I think, and this is a little bit of speculation, but my understanding of this is that um, every, so we start worrying and we go through all these, you know, worst case, worst case, worst case, worst case scenarios. And then one in a hundred or a thousand times it actually happens. <laughs> then we're like, see, and then we can tell everybody else, see, all my worrying is worth it. Um, don't, don't give me crap about my worrying. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah. that, for example, um, in trying to kind of like take control of your environment, over-exercising is a, an example of the brain trying to create control. Yes. Yeah. Overexercising is a great example. I see this with my patients with addictions in particular, where if they quit drinking or something, what they found is that they can substitute going exercising instead of drinking. And it, it gives them an endorphin rush. They feel good. They're in shape and whatnot. Uh, the problem is that if they rely on that substitution, they still are in a habit loop where it's like, if I have a craving, I exercise and then I feel better. Well, if they get injured, then they don't, you know, their brain says, well, you can't exercise, you might as well go back to drinking. Uh, so it, it's not a fail safe method. Obviously, exercise is great. I try to exercise every day. But I don't, it's really important for us not to set up the habit of exercise as a replacement strategy for another addiction, uh, because then it can, it can fail us where we can overtrain, we can get injured, and then that spirals out of control. And we go back to the old addiction. How do you know when something turns into an addiction? Great question. I think of the spectrum of habits to addictions, right? And so habits are helpful. They help us set up, you know, behaviors like I talked about to help us survive. When a habit becomes so compulsive that it causes adverse consequences, that's when it becomes an addiction. I like the really simple definition of addiction I learned in residency, which is continued use despite adverse consequences. So continued use despite adverse consequences could apply to exercise. It could apply to social media use. It could apply to checking web news sites. You know, it could, it could apply to anything, you know, relationships. You know, if we're um, compulsively calling our loved one, you know, might not be so healthy for the relationship. Just saying. <laughs> uh, one thing I'm uh, really interested in my work and one thing that I speak to a lot of the um, listeners and the community about is low self-esteem. I think mm. that this uh, sense of deep unworthiness that we all carry around is also at epidemic levels. Mm. And so when I was reading through your work, your books, your app, I mean, so many tools, and I'll put all of these links in the show notes because I really can't encourage everyone to explore them more. How um, can we build habits around having more positive self-talk because our ego negative chatter, I'd ask you, are we addicted to being mean to ourselves? Because at what point do we develop being mean to ourselves because babies aren't? 
Oh, I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's a great question. So regardless of when we set up the habit of being hard on ourselves or self-judgment, uh, I think it's really important for us to stop right now and see how we're perpetuating those habits. So a trigger might be, oh, you know, I posted a tweet this morning on Twitter and I noticed that I use a parentheses instead of a colon, <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, that could have been better. And so I could, that's the trigger. And then the behavior could be judging myself. Like, why weren't you more careful? Why didn't you do a better job? You know, you're trying to be, help, you know, whatever. And then the result, that self-flagellation could result in this feeling of, well, at least I'm doing something. Like I'm beating myself up and that's doing something about this, <laughs> you know, right? And so it's like, if, if I beat myself up, is my morale really going to improve? No, you know, <laughs> So, and that actually taps into our brain's natural reward-based learning system. Uh, and so I posted a, a short seven-minute uh, animation on how to hack the reward-based learn learning system on our brains on my website. So people can look at that. But the one-liner on that is that this goes back to that learning habits, right? So we set a habit and we, you know, set and forget. So we forget about the, the details and we forget about how not helpful it might be. So with cake, for example, we set up these habits, you know, every time we go to a birthday party, um, we reinforce the habit of eating cake because it also it correlates with, you know, friends and, and fun and presents and things like that. So the more we do that, the more that gets set up as a habit. And then when we're 40, we're like, why do I have such a problem uh, eating too much cake? Well, duh, the reward value was set when we were five and it's still high. The only way to change that behavior is not to force ourselves to beat ourselves and say, don't eat cake, don't eat cake, don't eat cake. The only way to do that is to say, wait a minute, when I eat cake, when I eat three pieces of cake, when I'm not hungry because, you know, because I'm stressed out about something, I get a stomach ache and then I feel guilty for eating cake and, you know, and then, wow, you know, that doesn't actually feel that great. So that reward value drops. On top of this, I see that a lot of this with my patients, um, especially with binge eating or, or who are overweight or struggling with losing weight, is that on top of those eating habits where they stress eat, I think of this as an echo habit loop where they actually start to beat themselves up on top of it. Like, why did I eat the cake? Why did I eat the cake? Why yeah. did I eat the cake? And for one of my, I was thinking of one of my patients in particular, um, she would get into this echo habit loop where she would binge on large pizzas 20 out of 30 days a month, like really hardcore binging. And she said that after she binged, sometimes she would feel bad about binging, but the only thing her brain knew was, to, well, when she had a negative emotion that she should eat. And so she would binge again on, on top of that binge that she just had. And so you can see how this can spiral out of control. So our eating habits and other types of habits can actually lead to self-judgment habits where we judge ourselves and that, that can even spiral back and, and cause us to do those other things again. So can I stop? map it out, see that it's not rewarding, right? Self-flagellation doesn't feel good. It doesn't help me move on. But then the next step is, can I bring in the BBO, the bigger, better offer? So our brains, you know, when they start to see how unrewarding the old behavior is, they say, okay, what else you got for me, right? So, you know, for, uh, an example of that would be, you know, milk chocolate versus dark chocolate. For me, milk chocolate, not so much. Dark chocolate, giddy up. <laughs> so that reward value of dark chocolate for me is much bigger than milk chocolate. And so my brain, given a choice, it'll say dark chocolate every day. So we can apply that to self-judgment as well. 
when we beat ourselves up, we can see, oh, this doesn't feel very good. So we bring awareness in and say, how do I, you know, what do I get from this? And then we can start to say, well, what's better? Well, how's it feel when somebody is kind to you? Like, it's like a warm bath. It's yeah. lovely, right? Okay. Okay. So kindness, <laughs> kindness feels better. And how's it feel when you're kind to yourself? Like taking a warm bath. <laughs> Maybe you do that mm -hmm. to be kind to yourself. Right. But I would say that people, and even including myself, we are so unfamiliar with how that feels. Yeah, we're not used to it. We're in the habit of beating ourselves up. And we look around and there's this social contagion of martyrdom. Like, oh, I worked 23 hours a day. Oh, no, I worked 23 and a half hours a day. And I really suffered. Oh, so I'm better <laughs> than you, you know? So we can look to see, well, you know what? Can I actually work better if I give myself time to go to the bathroom to eat, to take a bath, to get a hug, to, to meditate, to pray, to whatever? Oh, wait a minute. I'm actually a nicer person to other people. <laughs> and I don't have to clean up relationship problems when I nuke that relationship from being a jerk. But also it feels better. Oh my gosh, wait a minute, everybody wins? This is crazy. No, it couldn't possibly be true. Yes, it is true because that's how our brains work. They're always looking for the bigger, better offer and kindness always feels better. Connection always feels better. Why, I have two questions in response to this. A, why? is this so simple but revolutionary like why suddenly we go oh hold on a minute we don't need to beat ourselves up and b how can we use this situation we're all in right now to lean into this so one this is not new uh the ancient buddhists uh the ancient buddhist psychologists and i i'm just mentioning that because that's where you know i'm I, been meditating for about 20 years. That's the tradition I grew up in. Catholic has, has a very strong contemplative tradition. Judaism, um, Islam, all of the major world religions have these things. So whatever somebody's religion is or belief or spiritual tradition, all of these share the same thing, which is that kindness, kindness is better. There's this saying, um, every time I think of this saying, it gets me. There, uh, this is from the Pali Canon, from the ancient, ancient Buddhist teachings, where the Buddha's attendant and cousin named Ananda basically says, hey, he says this to the Buddha, hey, dude, good friends and good community are half of the holy life. And the Buddha says this. He says, he says don't say that, Ananda. Don't say that. This is the whole of the holy life. Because connection is like that. Sorry. <laughs> Nothing else matters when we really when we really feel kindness and we, when we really feel connection. And people just don't see that because they've been blinded by greed and hatred. Yeah, and, and this is in a way why I don't think Corona is here just for the negative. I actually think it's got a lot of, it's bringing a lot of beauty with it too because we are being forced to find new connection and new kindness. This is, this, is our, this is our chance, you know? I, I learned something really wonderful in college. Um, we had this very active um, outdoor program. I was, I was an undergrad at Princeton. And our, um, we had this wonderful, uh, I had a mentor who ran the program. His name is Rick, uh, Rick Curtis. He still runs the program. And he, he taught me this wonderful, very simple um, psychological thing, which is called thaw shift refreeze. And the idea is that there's a, there's a leaf frozen in a pond, right? And when the sun comes out and melts the ice, that leaf can now move in the water somewhere else in the pond. 
And then when the winter comes again, it refreezes. And it could refreeze where exactly where it was, or it could refreeze somewhere else. So think about our current situation. We are this, this leaf frozen in divisiveness in all these isms, right? That, that keep us divided. The, uh, the pandemic is the sun that has heated up the ice because there's all this energy. Our leaf has, has, has thawed out and can shift. And the idea is, can, if can we use these bigger, better offers to help, help help have that wind blow the leaf to a different place in the pond? Can, kind, can we all see kindness and use that wind to blow the leaf? Can we all see connection? Can we all see compassion? Can we all see working together? Uh, can we see all of these things really clearly and help our brains see this as a no-brainer? That all of these feel better, and this is the only way that we're gonna, you know, that we're gonna save our planet. I don't want to sound too hyperbolic. Yeah, but, yeah, no, I agree. But it's only by working together. Like, look what happens when we work together. We can mobilize like crazy. Look what happens when we fight over whether climate change is real or not, or whether racism is real or not. You know, being kind to each other is the only thing that makes sense. Can we use that as a way to blow the leaf so far across the pond that we can't possibly ever go back because our brains say, that's stupid. We would, why would I do something that just doesn't feel as good? And then let's refreeze there when this pandemic is over. Let's refreeze there, all of us. We have to do this. So it's so beautiful and I'm so moved. And I, um, I really am, I thank you so much for the approach also you're taking to this because what I think is, you know, for example, I, I think I read somewhere that going to church has decreased by 20% since 2000. People lost a lot of faith, which I think earlier civilizations had. Mm -hmm. And what I th and the work you're doing, I, the reason I think it, it is even more powerful than just being able to prove the science is you bring both of them to each other. And I know a lot of, you know, even just anecdotally, a lot of friends will eye roll if they think it's something too woo woo, or it feels too soft, or it feels like it doesn't have science behind it. And I think what you've done so brilliantly is proven that what you've just said, and these ancient wisdoms has the science to back it. So Okay, here for anybody that thinks this is woo-woo, I'm a scientist. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out my 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 punching gloves. Ready? Let's go. Okay, so we did a study with using these same practices to help people quit smoking. Five times better than gold standard treatment. Okay, boom. How about for eating? We got a 40% reduction in craving-related eating with our Eat Right Now app. With an app, 40% reduction and crazy people started um, being kinder to themselves because they realized that that wasn't very helpful. Okay, boom. How about anxiety? We just did a study with anxious physicians and we found a 57% reduction in anxiety and we found a 50% reduction in burnout. Okay, boom. How about this? People with generalized anxiety disorder. We did a randomized controlled trial where people with anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety, 63% reduction. And just to give you a scope for how this works, there's this number called number needed to treat, which means how many people you have to treat with a certain treatment for one person to benefit. With medications, it's 5.15. So you have to treat five people plus to get one person to benefit. With this Unwinding Anxiety app, it was 1.6. So you only had to treat 1.6 people to see remission, remission of their anxiety symptoms 
in one person. So come on, let's go. You know, anybody, yeah. anybody that wants to fight about whether this is true, um, I would say I'm, I'm happy to go to the mat with you. And more importantly, you're the best scientist of your own experience. Try it for yourself and prove to me that kindness isn't better than being mean. How do we then practically shift to having kindness at the front of our heads and and potentially this conditioning of greed and excess, which we've been bombarded by, by the media, by X, Y, Z, even potentially education? Like, how do we change? The only way to set a new habit is to repeat something early and often. So I think of it as, you can think of it as rinse and repeat or short moments many times. So the more we can practice uh, these these habits, you know, or these behaviors, short moments, many times throughout the day, the more we will lock in those behaviors. So the first thing we have to do is we have to see how unrewarding the old behavior is, right? So we've got to rub our face in it every time we're like, oh, I want more. Okay, what's that feel like to want more? Okay, and compare that to when you're generous. And it's like, oh, if you go to hoard everything at the grocery store, take a moment to step back and think, if you were the guy that got there after you, and you didn't get the milk, but somebody else did, think about what you'd feel like if they got all the milk, right? So, and then think about how you're doing that to everybody else. So rub your face in it, see how unrewarding it is to be greedy, to be mean, to whatever, and rub your face in it a lot until you see that really, really clearly. Next, bring out that bigger, better offer and see how good it feels when you're kind, when you're generous, when you're connected, and all of those things. And then just repeat that over and over and over throughout the day. My guess is, well, we did a study on this. We, we embedded this craving tool in our, in our Eat Right Now app and in our Craving to Quit app. And we found that as we had people pay attention to overeating or smoking a cigarette, it only took 10 to 12 times of them really paying attention that that reward value significantly dropped. So here, it doesn't take 100 years of sitting in a monastery and you know repenting or whatever. It just takes us paying attention when we go to the grocery store and we have that urge to hoard and reminding ourselves, what does that feel like? And then try being generous and see what happens then. And then repeat and repeat and repeat until it locks it in. So to help us generate awareness, because again, I would say that's quite a challenging skill in itself because we've been so now conditioned to be on 100 million miles an hour, rushing through, potentially shopping while we're thinking about texting back a friend. You know, do you know what I mean? We're not even focusing on buying probably. How do we develop those slow down in moments that we need to slow down to, I suppose, generate that awareness to be able to even understand that it doesn't have a good impact? The first thing I would say is even if we can do it just one moment during the day, we've already, we're already 100% better than we were previously, right? So any time that we can do this, the better we are, better off we are. If we can set some, set some habits and like write something out and say, okay, I'm going to try this tomorrow, where we're, we say, okay, I'm going to take five minutes in the morning to pray or meditate or exercise or whatever, and we see how good that feels, that will help lock that in so we can remember that next time. We can set reminders on our phone you know, set an appointment with yourself for five minutes, you know, throughout the day, you know, some people set a, their watch so that it beeps every hour where they just say, okay, that's my moment to just pause and take a breath and look at what's around me or practice gratitude or whatever. So there are ways that we can, whatever works for people, you know, and everybody has their own method for getting through the day, take that method and schedule in some time for you know kindness for awareness for connection and then any time that you're starting to get riled up 
that's the time for anybody to really say, oh, wait a minute, I heard about this on something where if I pay attention to how unrewarding this is and let me try that, right? If we do that once or twice and we see really clearly how unrewarding these old behaviors are, suddenly our brain gets more interested in doing this. And that's really what's going to help that start to snowball in a very positive way. So it's slowing down that tiny moment which you're about to be triggered to go into a negative behavior. Yeah, or even if we're in the negative behavior in, in the process of it, you know, it just just this morning, my, I was about to put some tea water in the microwave and my wife asked to use it, you know, use the microwave first. And I was like, oh, you know, I noticed that little bit. And I was like, okay, you know, go for it. Um, and then she couldn't find the thing that she wanted the microwave. So I was like, well, why don't I just get started? And then you can, you know, you can pull mine out if, if you got it right here. And so it took her about two minutes and she came back and I could just see a little bit of, you know, it's like, oh, there, and I'm like, really a minute? There's only a minute left. I wasn't saying this because I know how much, you know, when I get on my moral high ground and be like this and that, I just, you know, that doesn't help anything. So I just, I just turned to her and we just hugged for 40 seconds you know, while the microwave was going and the, the water boiled, um, our, you know, our contractions kind of dissolved and, and we were smiling at each other by the end and, and felt much more connected. So this doesn't need to take, you know, this doesn't need to be an hour or anything like this. That was a 40 second thing where I just recognized, oh, I'm about to do this thing that doesn't help. Not helpful, right? Unrewarding. Oh, what's kindness feel like? Duh. And then I, I, I give her a hug and and it was, I still remember it. It was lovely. <laughs> what do you mean by contractions? Uh, so when you feel anxiety, does, does that feel closed down and contracted or does it feel open and expanded? Definitely contracted. <laughs> yeah. How about fear? <laughs> We're highly contracted. Okay. How about joy? Expanded. Okay. How about connection? So expanded. Okay. So I think you understand what I'm talking about. Yes. It's just yeah. a felt, felt experience. So that's another nice little trick is when people feel that feeling of contraction using your word, it's to immediately go, okay, kindness also equals expansion. So what would make me feel expanded right now? Yes. Yeah. So anything that helps us feel expanded. So gratitude, uh, kindness, um, you know, connection, curiosity is a great one that we use for our apps is we train people to be curious about what anxiety feels like or what cravings feel like. So any of those feel more expanded and all these things like, you know, fear and, and anxiety. Why, in your opinion, could this moment during this heightened anxiety because of Corona be a good thing for us? Yeah, that's really about that thaw shift refreeze thing. So it has thawed us from divisiveness. We can't, we don't have time to be jerks to each other right now because we're all trying to survive, right? So this is so important for us to shift and we will shift and it's a matter of how far we shift so that we cannot forget it right and we can lock in kindness and connection as that new in infection <laughs> sorry um but we if we can lock that in and we're so far down the other side of the pond we can never go back and that's you know that's all dependent on really just understanding how our brains work and seeing very clearly that it just feels better than being a jerk. And also we have the ability, would you say, because we're going through so much change, our brain is almost having a reboot yes. because we actually can create new habits. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. We, we've just hit that reboot button has gone, you know, it has been hit. We're starting to boot back up. And the question is, will we boot back up here 
or here. Let's boot up over here in a new place. Right. So let's take advantage of the fact that like maybe we were quarantining, our work has completely changed, our routines have completely changed to create more awareness and new habits during this time. Amen, sister. If you had a few minutes with every single person on the planet right now, and I know that you've spoken to to many of these points in the interview, but if you could share something with every 18-year-old, let's say, what would it be? Hmm. I would say pay attention to your actions. Really pay attention to your actions. You know, it's it's not the action itself. It's the result of the action that drives future behavior and future action. So if we don't see really clearly what our actions are doing to ourselves and others, we're going to inadvertently get stuck in a habit loop that 10 years down the road, we wonder how we got there. You know, how did I become that jerk? How did I become that... Um, person that beats myself up all the time? How did I become, you know, the greedy person, whatever. If we don't see the result of that right now, we're going to get stuck in habits 10 years down the road that are going to be really hard to shake. If we see the power of kindness and connection right now in our own lives, that the result of that will help us set up those habits and will help us save the planet. I love that. So if you wouldn't mind finishing the sentence, the first thing in the morning, I... <laughs> I cuddle with my wife and, and our cats. <laughs> Before I go to sleep, I... Hmm. Well, lately I've been reading this book, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse with my wife. Best piece of advice I've been given is... Pay attention. The book I recommend the most is... Oh. The boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. <laughs> it's such a great book. It's such a good book. He's also got such a good Instagram account. And when I feel insecure, I... Pay attention. As I've gotten older, I've realized... That only kindness matters. If you really knew me, you would know... That I'm not making this up. Thank you so much and how can we direct everyone to your work where can we find you if you wouldn't mind sharing your socials and your website sure i have a youtube channel it's just dr judd drjud uh, same for the website is drjud.com um, our apps are unwinding anxiety uh, eat right now and uh, craving to quit and i think if people go to my website i think they're giving you know they're discounting stuff for people and giving giving things away for free people that um, don't have this uh, the financial means um my twitter account is at judd brewer at, at j-u-d-b-r-e-w-e-r i do have an instagram account count um my um somebody else moderates that for me uh, just to be transparent um but it, basically it's my twitter stuff that goes up on there I just don't have time to do all of it <laughs> I do have a Facebook account. Um, I think it's Dr. Judd, and there's also a Judson Brewer. That's my personal one. So I think people can find me that way. Um, but the biggest thing I would say right now is, you know, I'm trying to put out new videos every day on YouTube. So if anybody wants five minutes of understanding how their mind works and uh, as related to this, you know, go to the YouTube channel and, and subscribe. It's really excellent. Thank you so much. It was really great, so thank you. 
That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Of course, it would be amazing and very appreciated if you wouldn't mind hitting subscribe and sharing this podcast. You can find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram. DM me questions or any guest suggestions. I'd love to hear from you. And also, if you have a moment, download Happy Not Perfect. It's my mindfulness app that helps you manage stress, anxiety, sleep, and ultimately makes you feel happier every single day in less than five minutes. See you next time. Sending you lots of love and energy. Till then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.